Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me, as ever, from across the pond, he's a statesman to my kingsman, and a bloody good fellow too, it's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, Matt. How are you this uh, Tuesday afternoon? Or Tuesday evening afternoon, for you, so evening. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing very well. It is hot. It's hot over here. It's like I'm kind of sitting here like clammy. Um, but uh, maybe that's also because of the offerings we've been checking out this week, of which we will get to in a minute. But yeah, I'm doing okay, my friend. Looking forward to uh, diving into this particular episode, as I am with all of them, of course. But before that, you know what I'm going to ask. Are you keeping Florida safe and well? Uh, I'm trying to protect Florida, but, you know, Florida does a lot to resist uh, help and, and <laughs> function. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it, it's been a rainy last 24 hours, although it's starting to warm up again today. Um, but, yeah, it's it's, you know, it's summer and it's hot and uh, we're just just hanging out. That's what we like. Florida needs Buckman, the hero we all need right now, though I'm going to leave any Batman talk out because of recent stories. Um, so I said I'm looking forward to tonight's episode, of which I always am. But last week we gave a preview of the 2021 Tribeca Film Festival, uh, of which we mentioned then we have been uh, granted accreditation to view all of the presentations on offer, of which we are eternally grateful. Um, and we gave a few of our uh, picks, early picks last week of the movies we were looking forward to checking out. Some of them now have uh, changed because of circumstances with Tribeca's distribution or the distribution of the agents who work with Tribeca. But for this episode, we are going to be diving into the festival and delivering mini reviews, non-spoiler reviews of the films that we've been watching for this first uh, nearly week of Tribeca. The films are coming thick and fast and John and myself are between us doing our best to keep up with them, watch about, watch them, write about them, gather our thoughts and come on to let you all know what we thought. So we've got about 10 films. Don't worry, we're not going to be going into them for an hour each. We're going to keep it fairly mini. And once again, spoiler free thoughts, because as John mentioned last week, some of these films may or may not get distribution quickly. Uh, and we don't want to spoil it for anyone in, adv- in well in advance. So, um, but with that said, John, we do- shall we? Well, before we get into the reviews, the other thing is that right now, if you're listening to this when it came out, most of these movies are still watchable um, on TribecaFilm.com. So if you are interested in any one of these and you want to see them, um, I I don't know how much of the the ticket price goes to the filmmakers themselves, but Mm -hmm. this is an opportunity for a lot of young and upcoming filmmakers. Some of these are first filmmakers. Some of these are just as their second or third film. Um, But if one of the films we talk about sounds like something you'd be interested in, I would encourage you to seek this out. Um, this is an opportunity that a lot of times you wouldn't have to see these films unless you would fly out to a festival, yep. but being able to sit at your, your home computer, pay the money. And again, um, potentially show distributors that there is an interest for these type of smaller. A lot of these are very personal films. Mm-hmm. Um, and with some amazing cast, like these aren't just like small independent films with first time actors. Yeah. Some of them are. But um, it, it, if you are interested, you can watch them in the small window uh, during the festival. And then, like Matt said, we don't know when they'll be available again. Some of these will have distribution right away, but it, we still not, may not see them for several months. And some of these will, will fade into, uh, you know, kind of purgatory where yeah. they, they exist somewhere. But yeah. where is will be a question so. Yep, uh, well said, JB. And the prices kind of fluctuate depending on film as well. Uh, so, yeah, go check it out. 
uh, TribecaFilm.com. All the info's on there and when you can watch it and where and how you can watch it. So if what we say floats your boat, by all means, check it out and let us know what you think about these films as well. But obviously, if you are going to tell the world, try to keep it spoiler-free just for uh, the courtesy of others. So the first film uh, we're going to dive into was uh, a film that John picked out last week and one of the first films to become available from the festival. And it's called Seven Days, directed by Roshan Sethi. It stars Karen Sonny, Geraldine uh, Vizwanavan, Zenobia Shroff, uh, Aparna Nanchurla, Gita Reddy, Jeffrey Self, Mark Duplass, and John's grateful he didn't have to repeat all those names again. And yes. it's a um, it's a rom com uh, that eschews a few of the tropes, but um, for me, it felt like a bit like a missed opportunity at parts. I did like this film; I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was quite funny. Uh, I think the there's another film I'm going to mention as well, uh, but which has the same strength. But I think the two the two leads here, uh, Vizwana Fan and Dapinda, are sell this film they make this film if it wasn't for mm-hmm. their kind of strange awkward cr- uh, crackling chemistry then you know it maybe wouldn't have worked so much um but i thought this was a a decent film it felt for the most part fairly fresh i've said on this show many times to john chagrin um jokingly that sometimes the rom-com genre as do many others to be fair but sometimes rom-coms can feel a bit formulaic and you kind of see what's coming from a mile off and for a some parts of this film, I thought, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna change, we're gonna change, change things up a little bit, but um, not entirely, not entirely. Some parts become a bit contrived and don't quite work. But that said, I liked the comedy. There are some bits where I found extremely funny. I liked the uh, two main characters. I liked the situation they find them in. Of course, uh, it's a, it's a COVID kind of based film. It's a film about being together against kind of almost against your wills in a quarantine and um yeah i i thought this was pretty good i'd like i'd like to see this pick up more of a cult following because i do think it deserves that. i think it's a good little good film it's a very good uh feature debut from roshan sethi as well and it's um and it's again like we did with white tiger it shines the light on indian filmmakers and indian actors and actresses as well so it's it's giving a spotlight to those who up until recently haven't really had that international kind of spotlight. So um, I think this is a pretty good film. I didn't mind it. John, what did you think? Um, when it started, I, I'm a big fan of rom-coms, which we say every time we talk about mm-hmm. a rom-com uh, and horses. I was a little disappointed because it was feeling a little, it wasn't making me laugh as much. And I was a little annoyed with Karen Sony um, mm-hmm. more than I was expecting to be. Um, I really liked him in Deadpool and found his yeah. comedy charming um, but it feels like a performance, and I, I think that happens here at first, but it, it starts to feel a little more natural as the film moves on. Um, but by the end of the film, I loved it. Um, I, I'm a big fan of both actors. Uh, Geraldine kind of broke out with Blockers a few years ago and um, was also really good in Bad Education from last year. Um, and I, I just I want to see them in more stuff. I just think they're so charming um, there's a lot of funny parts, but there's a lot of heart in this movie. And I really mm-hmm. found uh, the love element to be endearing. And I, I, if I remember correctly, I choked up a couple of times, which I am want to do. Um, I yes. don't know if you saw that uh, Sony is a co-writer with um, the director. Uh, yes, I've just which who who I also called Dupin. That was his, I got his Deadpool character in my head for because uh, uh, that's where he kind of broke Dupin. out. So yeah, Sony. Yes, I wrote this. Yes, yeah, and that. Um, 
you know, that's, that's also really cool to see that not only, you know, did he, uh, star in, but also co-wrote and, um, I don't know. There's a lot, a lot about the culture. I think the commentary on like the arranged marriage is interesting in this movie because a lot of times when it's, a lot of times it feels very um, judgmental. Like the assumption is that it's just wrong versus it, it's not wrong. It's just one way of, um, of how people can end up together. And I think the film does a good job of more of exploring it rather than condemning it as like this archaic institution. Um, and I think there's, there's some, uh, the movie opens with like some interviews of, I am assuming actual arranged couples. I don't know if they're just actors pretending to be actual arranged couples. Um, but I, I assume that those were genuine and I like that. Um, because again, I think a lot of times when the norm of our country, mm-hmm. I think our countries is not arranged marriages. We often assume that arranged marriages are are weird or different. They are obviously different than what we're used to, but that doesn't mean that yeah. they're wrong. Um, but I do think a lot of times they, we come at it as this place of judgment. And um, I think this movie, it, it has both sides, but I think it's, it's an interesting conversation that the movie's having with it rather than it just being there. And uh, the big sick discusses it as well, um, which is one of my favorite rom-coms in the last few years. And I have, uh, I heart Kamel and Johnny so, so much. And um, <laughs> his, you know, that film being based on his actual story, I also found very, very compelling. Um, but I, I think even, I think this movie deals more with, cause Kamala is not pro arranged marriage, right? Like that's in that movie. So there still has that American kind of condemnation of it where this movie, I think plays with a little more, I think it's a little more flexible uh, with things. And um I, I liked it. Uh, I we don't want to spend too much time on this, so I think there's nothing else to say without spoiling things. But uh, yeah. I also, I think this was my first COVID film that I can remember watching. There might have been one more that I have like blocked out, but um, I think it did a good job of using it and not not solely dwelling on it, but using it as like the catalyst for the story that it wanted to tell. You know, what I mean, yeah. it didn't feel like, like it didn't feel manipulative or anything like that. Right, it's not the story; it's just an element of the story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just happens to be set in that time where, yeah, they're not glorifying or anything like that. It, like you say, it's just a fabric of the story. So, um, so it seems like we're both pretty up on it. I think you were slightly more so I'm than more. than I am. Yeah. But again, I, I I enjoyed it, and I would like to see this picked up and get get a little following going because I think it's a solid film. So, um, that was Seven Days, and uh, you're up next, JB. All right. Well, this one's ironic because I only watched this one because you had brought it up, and um. And, I and I'm mad at you for that. <laughs> I'm mad at you for it uh, because I didn't like it. Um, it's called All My Friends Hate Me. Um, and you know what? I hate him too. That's the reality. Uh, the the, on, the main character, it's a quote unquote horror comedy thriller. I'm a big fan of horror comedy. Uh, I don't, I don't think this one was very funny. There are some funny parts. Uh, there's some, a few, there's some good performances, but I think overall the writing is what didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, without getting into specifics because I don't want to spoil the movie. Uh, the thing that it's trying to do is spelled out way too hard. I think, um, and right. it's not, I don't think it's supposed to be. And it is, it's like, it's a little too on the nose so that when you get to the point where it's supposed to be like, ha ha, it's like, yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, it, okay. Um, and, yeah. uh, it, I, I, it was kind of torturous at times um, <laughs> because 
I, I didn't like the main character and which is again, ironic. Uh, and I think, see, I feel like the movie wants us to be on his side and I never was. And so, um, it, that makes it really complicated to, uh, to care about what's happening because you're just like, yeah, but you're kind of a jerk. I don't care that you're upset. Like, um, and so that's, that was my take. It's not necessarily bad. It's just, I was just, I was ready for it to be over. It's only 93 minutes. So it wasn't like it was super long. It was just like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Is it over? No, I still have to sit here for another 20 minutes and wait for them to find. Yeah. (laughs) So again, not the worst. I just, it just didn't, it didn't click for me and I was mm-hmm. a little disappointed. Um, and I've been on a bit of a horror kick. So I yeah. was kind of excited that you had, you had mentioned this one. I was like, all right, cool. Matt seems interested in it. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it just didn't work for me. So it all stinks. my friends hate me. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. And I think John hates uh, me uh, a little bit now. No, it never. It's not just, possible, but just um, a bit. It, it is directed by Andrew Gaynord, who is apparently known for Netflix's comedy series, The Characters, that I've also never heard of. Never um, heard of. Uh, but, you know, it's cool. It's his feature debut. I don't think it's badly directed or anything. I just <laughs> think the writing didn't quite uh, do it for me, and that is not him. So, Andrew, the maybe lead, you just need uh, a better script. The lead co-wrote this, Tom Stoughton. He co-wrote this with a guy called Tom Palmer. Well, I, I didn't, you know, if his goal was for us to hate him too, he succeeded in my regard. Um, <laughs> I, I well, was not vibing with the character. So, well, maybe if I've got a spare 90 minutes at the end of the fe- festival, I'll check this one out. See, it's, and this, this is, you know, why it's, why I feel it's so, you know, good to have reviews of films coming out early because you get, you get some buzz or you get some general consensus because the film sounded fairly decent to me on paper. as obviously enough, it must've done to you, when I pulled it out because you went to watch it. Um, but it's not, not everything's going to work, but now it's kind of put me yeah. off watching it. Whereas I think I'll prioritize other things ahead of it. I do want to point. It's not bad. Like I, I don't, my, I don't, I didn't write a review, but I, I wouldn't say it's like avoid like the plague or anything like that. It's not, it's nothing. I'm probably making it sound way harsher than it should because I didn't enjoy watching it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not, there's nothing like glaring, like other than again, I feel like the, the two main things is the main character wasn't likable. So I didn't care um, what he was complaining about. And then the, the thing that I mentioned with the, the reveal feeling very like a little too foreshadowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And well, again, maybe well, I just picked up on something that other people may not. And so it might land differently for those, for a different viewer, but all my friends hate me then. Uh, not, not a particularly glowing review from JB. It's available to watch up until the 23rd of June on TribecaFilm.com. So if you still fancy it, check it out. Um, the n- next film we're jumping on to is uh, it's another one I picked out from last week, and it's called Agnes. And it was kind of billed as a, as a horror film. You know, it's, it's, it's a typical exorcism movie was how I assumed it was going to be. So I was like, yeah, do you know what? That sounds like a bit of me for obvious reasons. I also, as you know, I'm a horror fan. So I'm always going to be turned on by the idea of a decent horror film. Um, so I went into Agnes thinking I was going to get one thing and it was not what you expect it to be uh, at the film Agnes. You assume based on the synopsis, the images that accompany the film, that it's going to be a, 
an exorcism film with a very religious backdrop set in a convent with with a lot of nuns um the first part of the film is very much that and then it has a very surprise well, it's a very surprising a surprising shift of tone shift of genre and story direction at a certain point and it goes off to somewhere i didn't think it was going to go necessarily um it's you know it becomes more of a reflection on loss you know mother's loss and grief than anything that i thought the film was going to be especially given the title of the film and the character that it refers to um it's a very the direction of the film that the the direction uh by mickey reese i believe the director is um Mm -hmm. it's very stark and it kind of matches the stark imagery of the film as well was uh it feels very cold it feels it feels like a like i wanted it to certainly in those uh early scenes the first half of the film when we are kind of more dealing with the nuns and the religious aspect of it it it, that's how i wanted it to feel kind of had that isolated yet slightly slightly strange atmosphere not scary but kind of tense atmosphere for a little bit um up into and then you get your very standard exorcism moments which were very ho-hum if you ask me i thought i've seen this many times before it didn't really work for me that side of it but um as a film um i thought it was i didn't i wasn't overly sold by it um a lot of the films i've seen so far have been about 90 minutes to 100 minutes which is pretty good actually to be able to scram Mm. something but i i wasn't overly sold by agnes not because it it changed direction it wasn't what i wanted it to be but when it did change direction i wasn't really in you know i wasn't particularly invested in the um characters that we were following not big and again nothing uh, the the reasoning of why we followed them you know very very sad i was in on that but that wasn't always at the forefront and we had a lot of sequences which kind of just felt i mentioned ho-hum again they were just sort of you know they were there to set up this very uh different very vanilla world that they now you know finds herself in and there was a few um narrative decisions uh i thought were a bit strange some of the dialogue in the second half of the film i thought was a bit strange um didn't feel real it felt a bit forced um and i just kind of felt a bit unsatisfied by the end of it i didn't really feel like i'd gotten anything at the end of it or i felt like maybe the director wanted me to feel um i wouldn't necessarily have said i would have preferred a straight up exorcism film because not all of them are very good <laughs> and th- again it's been done before so i applaud mickey reese for taking it in a different direction but in this instance it it just didn't work for me i i felt some of the gravitas at points but but not fully it was so this one was again by all means check it out because you know you, you're, you're helping somebody out who's made a film uh, that looks very good acting's fine for the most part but it's it, this one isn't the, my favorite of what I've seen. I can't imagine it challenging my top 10 list by the end of the festival, but um, you saw Agnes as well, JB. Were you a fan? Um, I, I think I'm a little more up on it than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have, he, he plays with a few ideas that I wish he would have leaned more into, mm-hmm. um, especially in the, in the idea of like, I feel like he wants to walk a line of whether or not the exorcism is real or not. Yeah. Um, or if the possession, I guess, is real or not. Mm-hmm. And I think he leans one direction more than he should have. I think it should have been a little more ambiguous. And I think it would have made for an interest, a more interesting film, especially when it takes the shift um, in the genre. I think had it been 
less clear which side, and I'm not saying which way he went. I'm saying if it had been less clear which way he went, I think it would be much more interesting because it would leave you to ponder a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did, did what we see actually happen or was that someone's interpretation of something? I think he makes it very clear where he falls down on in this movie. Um, Or at least it felt a little too clear. Uh, Unlike to, we just recently reviewed um, conjuring three and the exorcism scenes are way over the top and very, very Hollywood. I, I liked the exorcism scenes in this movie because they felt like you were in the room with them and it was actually happening as opposed to being like gigantic and, and massive uh, effects and stuff like that. I like the um, execution, just not the dialogue that accompanied them. Yeah. A lot of the dialogue did feel a little tacked on. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the cast was uh, pretty new. Um, yes. However, there were some, some cool people in this Sean Gunn, who I'm always a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jake Horowitz um, was in uh, vast of night that we watched, I think last yeah. year. Um, for the podcast, which I really liked. I think I liked that more than you, if I remember correctly. Uh, you were, um, you were more so up on that than I was here. Yeah. We both, I think we both were positive, but I think I was a little more like, ah, oh, I really enjoyed it. But um, he was the lead and I really liked him in that. And he's kind of the lead here. The lead isn't clear for a good mm-hmm. chunk of the movie, right? Like you're not really sure who we're following for a good yeah. part. And then it becomes, Oh, bit, yeah. this is, this is their movie. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I liked, a lot of it it is weird and it does some things um it feels very indie and that's the kind of this mm-hmm. director's uh like whole thing from what i'm like looking at in the the tribeca kind of overview um they call him soderberg of the sticks which i'm like i don't mm-hmm. i've only seen this movie i think by this guy so i don't know if this movie is enough to qualify that i've become a pretty big soderberg fan at this point um so i i don't i didn't see that in this movie but cool if that's what you somebody calls him that um but i definitely i i like the ambition here i i wish the execution was a little tighter but yeah i think uh again i think you're slightly more up on this and i take your points and i i accept them jb uh it's a, a very well-made film and but for me it fell flat but for jb it soared a little bit higher than for me so uh that was agnes uh what's up next jb so i watched god's waiting room um, and I, I watched this one because it was set in Florida. Um, and, uh, Tyler Riggs, I guess is from Florida, moved to New York. So like, this is his kind of return home movie. Um, he is the director. He's, this is the Holy Trinity of Tyler Riggs. It's a director, screenwriter, editor, actor. Uh, so I guess more than Trinity. Um, he's, this is, this is his, uh, the room. Um, fortunately it's not nearly as ridiculous as the room. And yet it is, there is this kind of heightened melodrama in it that I, didn't like bite on um i feel like there's pieces of like it wants to be american honey but it's nowhere near to that that level mm-hmm. um it, it it's trying uh, some of the characters like uh jules who's played by matthew leone feels a little big at times where it's like he's more of a caricature than he is a character um rosie's the lead i don't i don't really feel like we get enough from rosie like we get little glimpses of who she is. And then the, there is this narrative that Tyler Riggs character, it, he's kind of disconnected from the main story until eventually fate kind of intervenes. And it's, it's, it's definitely not bad. Um, my initial reaction was I didn't like it. And then it's, it, as it sat with me and I've thought about it, uh, I've, I've come to be a little more positive on it. 
um, because I think there's there's good here, and I definitely don't want to, you know, shut down a young filmmaker. Um, I, I think it would be a good idea for him to work with more people. Um, but maybe let's say this is he couldn't get a movie made, so he just did everything himself. Mm-hmm. Then this is a pretty solid outcome. Um, I would like to maybe him get with a, someone else to write to help with some of the dialogue. Some of the dialogue felt real, real generic. And uh, the performances weren't bad. Um, I think most of the, like Matthew Leon is from something else. Uh, I think Nazalda Gonzalez, this is one of her first things. Um, and she's, she's got talent. Uh, some of the extras were, were pretty solid. Um, a lot of the conflict felt contrived though, and very forced. And there was no real explanation for people to be so like on edge and angry all the time. Um, it's just, you know, they're, they're there for the sake of it. And then, Tyler Riggs character, especially there's a lot of things where the subtext is maybe not clear enough. Like I appreciate him not having big exposition dumps, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah, but you need a little like clarity. It needs to be clear why he's, why we get a scene of him in the bathroom watching porn. Like we need to know why I I wasn't clear there to me. Um, It became clear later, but it's still, I'm like, I don't understand what we're supposed to take from that. I don't understand why that's the thing. Um, I think maybe it's there and uh, just maybe it's something I'm not familiar with, but the, just there's little things I think could really make this movie a little, little more palatable, a little better. Um, but overall not horrible. Um, again, represent Florida. Uh, it definitely has that. It feels hot. Like you're in Florida. Like it feels mm. like you're there. Um, so again, uh, was a movie that while watching it, I was kind of like, you know, rolling my eyes at times and was ready for it to be over. And at its conclusion though, I was, you know, I've, I've thought back on it and I, I don't think it was as bad as I initially was vibing. And sometimes that is, I was ready to do other things. I'd watched several movies at that point throughout like, yeah, yeah. the last couple of days. And I was definitely like, okay, I want to do anything else for a little while. And mm-hmm. that the movie definitely took a little hit from that too. So yeah. that's not the movie's fault. That's what happens when you watch a bunch of movies at a festival. Yeah, it can be a lot. It's fun to watch them, but after when you get to your fourth mm. one of the day and you've spent what, best part of eight hours of staring at something, your brain gets frazzled. So um, that's yeah, fair enough, JB. It, yeah, and I think being at home doing a festival too is that you're in the same exact spot for most of it. Yeah. Or like if you're at, uh, like when I was at South by a couple of years ago, or even uh, depending on the year of Tribeca, um, it's usually not all in the same, even at the very least, it's not in the same auditorium. So you're still getting out of the auditorium, maybe going across the street for a slice of pizza coming back, or uh, you have to go to a different theater, like all together. So you have to like run from this theater, like down the road or get an Uber or taxi, whatever. (laughs) And so you're, you're mobile, you're doing stuff. Yeah. When you're just clicking play and then watching another one in the same seat, it does start to become tedious. And so Mm -hmm. uh, things, uh, why like the last couple of days I've tried to break up my movie watches. So they're not so consecutive, but, Yep. Uh, tips for film watching by JB. I dig it. Um, it's a God's waiting room. Again, you know, it's fine. Um, the next one on the list is one that John pulled out last week. And based on it, John recommending it and um, the synopsis, I was quite looking forward to watching this one. It's called Mark, Mary and some other people. Uh, it's it's a rom-com. You know, John loves a rom-com. John loves, John loves horses. And it's a it's a polyamorous romantic comedy. I think is the best way to put it. Uh, for those who are polyamorous, is when you have more than one sexual partner, but everybody's fine with it. Everyone involved in the in the web is okay with it. So this is what 
that's what this film kind of deal deals with. And um, it's got two fabulous, fabulous lead performances from Hayley Law and Ben Rosenfield. The casting of those two together was superb. And I said up top with the Seven Days review that there was another film where I think the casting, I don't want to say saved it because I had a really good time with this film, but I think it only accentuated the um, the film, the, the pairing of Law and Rosenfield. I thought they were so good together. Um, I thought Brandon Rosenfield was a very good lead and Hayley Law was really cool, really fresh. Of uh, Someone I wasn't overly, I wasn't particularly uh, well up on. So, um, but yep, yeah, it's, as I say, it's a rom-com with, uh, it starts off really well with a cool premise with one, which again, twisting the standard conventions, uh, which I thought the opening, th- the opening act was great the opening sequence. There's some good jokes throughout. Um, is it entirely original or is it going to leave you shocked and surprised? No, but along the way, there's enough cool stuff and enough fun little moments to keep you, or keep me invested. And I think it'll keep most other people as well. Plus just the fact that they're dealing with like the polygamy, the polyamorous side of it. That's not something you see in, in a rom-com. So in already it's open. It's different, literally and different. Um, and there's some moments in which I found, quite nice you know what i mean quite uh quite sweet quite heartwarming i think the word is a few moments between the two lead characters when they're uh, doing things together and helping each other out and i thought that was quite nice um and mm-hmm. yeah this you if you you get uh lots of lots of the good stuff if that's what you're asking you get some steamy moments you get some good fun laugh out loud moments you get some very good supporting performances as well i think the actual cast as a whole is really solid yeah. here it's, it's hannah marks is a director and i think she does a really really good job of this film um so, so so i think it was a lot of fun and i would tell people to go out and check this film out i i saw hannah marks last film uh, she directed was uh, banana split um which i saw <laughs> i think in 2019 or early 20 i think it might have been right at the start of covid yeah. last year that I, I got a screener for it and i loved it i thought it was great um, she's also in Dinner in America that we saw at yes. um, Fantasia Fest. She's only in it for a little bit. She's in like the opening scene, um, the dinner sequence that starts the movie off. <laughs> um, but yep. she's terrific in that scene. She didn't direct that one, but she's in that movie. And I think that might be where she meets. Uh, um, oh, my gosh. The the Back to the Future lady whose name isn't coming to me. Oh, um, but it's right there. It starts with Leah. Leah Thompson. Um, Leah Thompson. Thompson. That's it. You got it. I've got um, the L right. I've got, she, I got the She syllable. has a small cameo. Yeah. Small cameo in this movie. Um, but Hannah, uh, I just think, is an up-and-coming like superstar in the comedy genre. She has a really interesting voice. Um, I love the way she handles sexuality in both Banana Split and this because mm-hmm. it's super tasteful. And yet this, like, it's not, it's not like they, she doesn't censor it or take it away, but she also doesn't show a lot of nudity. I don't think there was any nudity in this movie unless I just get so oblivious to it. They're well handled. Sexual, sexuality is there. The, you, you get what's happening without it having to be graphic. And I think like the, the dialogue's graphic, but the visuals aren't. And I think that's, that's important because you're not Mm -hmm. asking your actors to do something uncomfortable or, or compromising. Um, but you're not also sacrificing your content in, in a way that just really works. Um, I was already a fan of Haley Law. I kind of raved about her on the preview episode. Uh, she's been the best friend character in two movies that I thought were fantastic: The New Romantic and mm-hmm. Spontaneous from last year. Um, this is the first time I've got to see her in the lead, and she crushes it. I thought she was yeah. tremendous in this movie. Uh, Rosenfeld, I was uh, instantly his hair and mustache. I was just like, 
you should be Anton Yelchin. If Anton Yelchin wasn't dead, this that's role would show. be Anton Yelchin. Yeah, that's but a good show. That that for several early scenes, I'm like, man, how would Anton have done this? How would Anton have done this? And yet, by the end of the movie, I was so into this guy that he overcame that. And I think that speaks volumes that he was able to get out of my head. Like, even though in my head, I was like recasting him, he won me over. And I just think that speaks to how great his performance is. Mm-hmm. Um, I laughed a lot. I also was very emotionally attached to these characters. Yeah. Um, my, uh, you mentioned several like scenes that I won't spoil the scenes, but there's a scene with Oreos that cracked me yeah. up yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also so sweet and so yeah. endearing. Um, yeah. Just their their chemistry. There's this natural uh, chemistry between the two of them that just feels so organic and real. Um, just an excellent example of a romantic comedy. Um, and again, it does deal in a... The setup is very unique. Although there is another polygamy movie called The Unicorn that I saw at, uh, I think, Tribeca two years ago, if I'm not mm. mistaken. Um, two or three years ago. Uh, that was also very good. It might've been South by, I don't remember. I was a 2018 was a really busy movie year for me. I saw a lot of movies that year. So, um, but the, the unicorn is another polygamy comedy. I think this one's better. Um, because it's not trying to like the unicorns, like one night, a couple decides they want to try to have a threesome. So they're looking for the, the unicorn, the mythical mm-hmm. person that they can have the threesome with. Well, this is like a long term <laughs> relationship and how this kind of open marriage works. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's just really, it's interesting. Um, I I enjoyed it very, very much. Yep. They, Hannah Marks describes it as ethical non-monogamy, which is a cool little soundbite there. It's well written as well. I have to say that I think the film is the subjects matter as well. Like you said, it's, it's handled really well. It's intelligently as well. And, you know, uh, it's not, in your face you know there's actually you know they they they, they, they got marks hannah marks and uh does she screen rights she does write this film yes she i think yeah, she handles she the subject really well she puts it across well uh, it doesn't ever feel like preachy or doesn't feel in your face it felt like hey i can watch this and i can learn a few things from this um which i which i appreciate so uh, i really like this film i'm glad to hear that you did too as well man so um, i'm gonna point out that um my hot take about her being like an up and coming, both Rolling Stones and Forbes magazine have named her like in the top like twenty five under twenty five and thirty under thirty. So that's only since you just mentioned that. it. It's fine. I didn't I, know that since when you I just said mentioned it, though, that. To be fair, I'm no, no, just no, saying. No. Uh, they heard so, John, John Burke yeah. thinks that. Quick, get it in first. They're thinking. Yep. The the first, is, my friend. Uh, Thirty under thirty, I think Anna Marks on the list. Um, there you that's go. It. Yeah, that's it. You heard it here first. Book review thirty under thirty. Um, so Mark, Mary, and some other people. Great title. Uh, we're both very up on that film. It seems like the film so far we're both most up on. Um, yeah. Over to you next, JB. So Italian Studies uh, is the new film from director Adam Leon, uh, who I've only seen his film Tramps, which was a Netflix original a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that we covered on the movie club podcast and uh, it stars Vanessa Kirby um, who she's just kind of blowing up the spot in the last couple of years. You know, she had a really good Oscar run. I have still not seen her Oscar performance. Um, I need to watch that. No pieces of um, woman. Sorry. Yes. Uh, I've not watched it yet. So I don't, I don't have an opinion on that, but I have liked her in the movies I've seen her in um, even Hobbs and Shaw. I kind of think she was the highlight of Hobbs and Shaw. Um, and, uh, this movie is is 
really interesting. Um, it was a little hard for me to get fully into because I do inherently lean towards plot and story for the mm-hmm. things that grab me about a movie. And this movie is definitely like plots, not point important here. This is, there's more experiential and um, contemplative, which once I kind of was able to get that and let go of the plot elements, um, I definitely was really uh, kind of moved into this movie. I, I, I keep thinking about it. Um, it's very, very compelling in that way. Uh, Kirby's performance again, outstanding, but, um, what I don't, and not to take away from her performance, but there is a newcomer named Simon Brickner, um, who kind of plays like the second lead. He's, he's definitely the co-star. There's a bunch of characters who have small little bit parts, but he is the only other character who has any kind of purpose or function in the story, um, for what story there is. And instantly, I was like intrigued by this kid. Um, I think, I think Ehrlich, uh, David Ehrlich, uh, writer for IndieWire, I think refers to him as like a cross between Lucas Hedges <laughs> and somebody else. I don't remember who the other person was, but he's definitely, he's, uh, he's on point with that, uh, assumption. Um, he's got that kind of same natural charm that you're just like, I don't know what it is about you, but I really like you and keep talking. And, <laughs> yeah. um, there's moments where like, sh- she's kind of, like the plots, the story, sorry, the story is very loose with the why, but for some reason she's kind of forgotten who she is and she's wandering Manhattan kind of clueless. No, no purse, nothing. She has nothing. And she seems very vulnerable and yet she's competent. She's not like so like crazy where she will do anything, but you're also like, you're not sure if she's making good decisions in every scenario. And when she first meets him, there is this like instinct of like, this guy's going to try something. Right. And immediately he's so charming that you're just like, yeah, it's probably okay. You can trust him. Like you're just, your guard is let down <laughs> and that's, you're, I'm not trying to, to set up that it's, you shouldn't or whatever. No, no. I'm just saying his, his charm is so unique. So really this is his debut. And so really great find from Leon. I don't know how he found him or whatever, but the, the kid has got, something I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing him in a 24 movies, uh, pushing Lucas hedges out, um, or at least fighting for the same roles as hedges, but, uh, really, really like him too. So the chemistry between those two characters, uh, really the emotional kind of crux of the film. Um, it's not perfect. Uh, and there are some, it, it's definitely not going to work for everybody because it isn't a traditional film in a lot of ways. Um, there's going to be a lot of questions that are left unanswered and some people hate that. Um, but it's not about the questions. Like that's not what the movie's trying to do. And I think what it's trying to do, I think it's really interesting and thought provoking and it's worth watching. It is very short. It's just 79 minutes. So it's, it's definitely uh, worthy of, of one's time. Although maybe it's not something like for, it's definitely not something for everybody. So it's hard to just outright give it a recommendation, but I have found it to be really compelling. And the more I've sat with it and thought about it, um, I, I just keep thinking about it. So that in that way, I think it, if, if a movie's quality is measured by its impact on the viewer, it's definitely had a lasting impact. So it must be pretty good. Yep. Um, and if, uh, if it, I, I know, uh, JB likes to sit on his films, if you will, but uh, I know when a film sits with John, that it's resonated to a level more so than most. Um, so I'm interested to see how that uh, manifests in the next few days. And I mean that I'm going to, I'm going to catch up with you and I will say, right now you've had an extra few days. Is it still with you? Has it grown? Has it, have you absorbed it or have you pushed it away? Um, so I'm always interested in that. It's one I'm going to check out. I, I, I like Vanessa Kirby as an actress. I think she's for the most part, very good in pieces of a woman. 
and the film itself sounds intriguing and, and if there's a lucas hedges light in there great maybe it'll actually give lucas hedges a day off for once <laughs> you can cast them both now and they can uh, take take some of the load off lucas being in every single film out there but um no i'll tell you what worth worth a watching jb yeah i think so yep so we'll check that one out so italian studies was john's um the next one uh, for me is a film called c for me s-w-e-c for me it's another horror thriller film and it's the second f- um effort second feature film from randall akita and it is a home invasion film with a twist that the home being invaded is not owned by the person who's in it uh, the person who's in it is a blind skier former skier called sophie she's played by skylar davenport uh, she's blind. She had an accident when she was on the slopes and she's lost her vision. Um, and she's cat sitting in a, in a mansion, you know, in, in the snowy hills. So we have a blind woman cat sitting in, in a mansion, very big mansion. Um, and then three thieves decide to come in and start try stealing stuff. So we've got a home invasion where um, there are thieves in the house. There are people trying to steal something. And you've got, and the, the only person in the house other than the cat who doesn't really, who gets short shrift, the cat justice for the cat is a, is a blind female who's uh, there by herself, but she's been given access to this app by her Warrison mother called see for me. And basically you, you ring somebody on this app, you connect with someone and via video call and then they can describe that you're setting for you. So for example, um, that they would say, you know, keep walking forward in 10 yards, 10 feet. There's six steps. You know, they're there. Can you angle your phone so I can see what's around the corner? They, they were, you know, for want of a better term, they were your eyes in this film. So she, uh, Sky, Sophie, uh, she connects with a, a gamer called Kelly, who's played by Jessica Parker Kennedy. And Kelly's got, there's more to Kelly than meets the eye. Um, and basically it's it's a home invasion movie with a twist i think this one started off quite well i think it started off well for the once it gets going after the initial 20 minutes it get, got quite interesting but then for me it fell away in the third act it just gave way gave in to cliche convention and to be honest it was a bit rubbish i thought the third act uh, there's a named actor in this film who doesn't turn up through a lot of the films so it's entirely given away what their part of the film is um it looked stunning, though. The film looked incredible. Uh, and not just like the visual style of it. The um, the DOP was uh, Jordan Oram and Jackson Parrell. But some of the shots that were utilised were superb. A really inventive use of camera angles um, and ways of capturing shots. Um, they managed to capture the sort of snowy uh, isolation really well. Uh, funny shot, uh, clever shots. A snowy isolation mansion you think shining the opening scene is fairly trippy and it was a bit shining-esque you're following the car the music was fine music's by uh an artist or artists called Men- menelon um i thought that was fine but i would rather listen to it in isolation it didn't quite work with the film sound design was pretty good but it just i don't know there's something the lead actress i, I think this is her first film i couldn't i could not vibe with her performance she was she was uh, uh, in, the, in the film the character of sophie is intentionally prickly she's very wants to be very independent but it does just come across as okay you're just actually quite rude and the character of uh, kelly does say that a few times but she does just come across as unlikable for quite a lot of it and 
that really did hinder my connection to her for a lot of the film. And uh, there's a, a few things, quite a few things that happen as we go on, which are just kind of, like you said, you roll your eyes that you think, Oh, come on. Or, or revelation. How did you know how to do that? Well, as it turns out, actually, oh, really just going to throw that in. It's, it's that. And it just it got a bit silly towards the end. And uh, they, they really missed an opportunity. I think here, because there are some good moments of tension, but it just, it just gives way to action towards the end. And it felt very contrived. It felt a bit silly and it was a good premise, but I don't think the execution matched the potential of this film again well worth a watch if you like a thriller film check it out because there's going to be a lot you like it depends on your tolerance for how far the film goes and how you find that final sequence but see for me a very good premise a lot of good execution but didn't meet the potential for me that's that's nice it sounds really interesting uh kind of reminds me of like a similar thing to hush he's similar um, to that obviously. yeah hush was a better film though yeah hmm. well I, I may skip that one i don't know mm-hmm. okay See, for it me, sounds kind of interesting well i saw for you there is that a good does that does that work mo maybe well i saw for john yeah. see for me it's okay uh what have you got next jp um so i watched a film called poser mm-hmm. and uh this one, Big Tuna had recommended, um, and I didn't really even look at it at first, um, but uh, I, I, it's totally kind of up our alley because it's about a podcaster, um, a <laughs> common protagonist trope now uh, that is happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all of the music and all of the, uh, the artists in the film are actual musicians and artists. I knew none of them. Um, nice. because it's, it's very underground music and, uh, genres it's, it's all over the place. I mean, that's the whole thing. This girl is, uh, her podcast is about like these underground artists and that's what she's trying to do. And, um, there's this kind of idea of like creating, I mean, the word poser, like, I don't know. I was like heavy into like heart, like heavy metal and hard rock. Mm-hmm. And we called a lot of people posers. Um, yes you know, if we didn't feel like you earned your spot in our, our social group, of, that was all built around our music interest. You were a poser. Like if you were not a pretender, you don't really belong here. And this, it takes that idea, uh, very extreme, like beyond just like pretending to like something, um, to fit in. It's almost like as if you are a blank slate and you are taking other people's personalities to make them your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of cool visual elements. Uh, the music is it, compelling. I think the performance, it's very subdued and um, she's got like a very monotone uh, nature. Uh, her name's Sylvie Mix, but I think it's good. I think it fits the character. Um, there's a, there's just enough charm there that you kind of see that there is some spark of personality, but it's purposely kind of bland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Bobby Kitten is the other listed cast member, and she is the the lead singer of this real band, and is playing herself in this movie, which is kind of surreal. Um, and that's mm-hmm. where it feels a little pretentious, because it's this kind of unknown band playing themselves <laughs> at a heightened level. Yep. But I don't know who you are, so like this could have been a fictional band, and I would have believed that. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> again not because it's bad I, you don't hear a lot of their music enough that it's there's definitely talent there it may not be for me but i could definitely see people being into it or whatever 
Um, but like I, for a minute, um, there's an ongoing joke with my movie club partner, Corey, that she makes up the bands that she listens to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so anytime I, yeah. Anytime I come across a band that I've never heard of before that apparently is famous, I immediately ask her if she's a fan, um, which is what happened here. I was like, Hey, do you know this band? And she's like, no, I'm like, Oh, okay. It seemed like something you would have been into <laughs> just because <laughs> apparently they're, they're popular, but I didn't know they existed. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if it is necessarily pretentious, but there does, it's just, you know, choosing to like write a script around your actual banks. Like let's look at singles, right? From the yes. early nineties, you have a bunch of iconic grunge bands in the movie. Most of them are not playing themselves. Like Chris Cornell yeah. is in Matt Dillon's band. Um, you know, and I think it's most of temple of the dog. If I'm not mistaken, temple that the is dog, like, Veda, the Alice in Chains plays at one of the clubs that they're in. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if they actually are listed as Alice in Chains or not, but it is Alice in Chains playing. Got a hell like, of a soundtrack. It's what it has got. Right. But that movie is a little pretentious, right? Like that's kind mm-hmm. of the thing about singles is all yes. these people are like all up in, a, in and of themselves. So it might be by design here, um, but I didn't feel like it was like, it didn't feel like that was in the, the thematic elements of the movie. Um, it was almost like the opposite of it. It was just like this poor girl who's just trying to like find herself uh, is not sure who she is. Essentially. I don't know. It's interesting. It's, there's some really cool visuals. I, I think it works as a movie. It's, but it's definitely a little unique. Um, so worth checking out if you're into like podcasting music based uh, movies. So it's fairly niche there, but uh, if that's your jam, yeah, and uh, yeah, Corey, check it out because your knowledge of music is flagging by the sounds of it. If you haven't heard of insert <laughs> band name here, I'm sure we could go on a yeah. random band name generator and probably probably still heard of them. That was one of my favorite bits in Mary, Mark, Mary and some other people yeah. was the band name bits that, yep. that cracked me up every time. <laughs> Good man. I'm glad you got that because I just realized it's fairly inside baseball, but not for JB. Um, so Poser uh, was John's... Uh, uh, film there my the final one i've seen for this week that i've seen anyway uh was called no man of god and i picked this last week as one that i was interested in seeing and it's uh, directed by amber seeley and it's stars luke kirby as ted bundy and uh elijah wood as the man whose name i can't remember uh, fbi agent bill hagmire and it's basically Hagmar is a profiler. He wants to get inside the mind of Ted Bundy and find out who the man is behind the mystique and the myth and the, you know, the sadly the legend as well. Um, and I, I had high hopes for this. I was worried that it, it would glamorize too much Ted Bundy, which is what a lot of recent films or exposés and serial killers have been uh, accused of you know, being too, uh, too sympathetic to the killers or trying to glamorize it or make them make them more rock and roll than they are. But I didn't feel that with this one. I didn't get that at all. So I'm quite, uh, I'm quite happy about that. What I did get was a fabulous performance from Luke Kirby as Ted Bundy. I think, I think he's, he's great. I thought that Zac Efron was really good. I think Luke, Luke Kirby is really very good. He's, uh, he, I mean, I obviously, I only know Ted Bundy from what I've seen on documentaries and whatnot, but Ted Luke Kirby he feels like Ted Bundy here. I think that was um, key to the film. If you're going to do a film about him, that person, you have to 
believe that that's a person. Elijah Wood, I think, was very good as well. I think Elijah Wood, um, again, he's maturing more and more, and I think he's he brings a good level of performance to here. And it felt like a stage show at points, which is what I liked about it. Uh, for for a lot of the time, most of the time, it's it's those two opposite each other on a table, and they're talking, or Hakagmar is profiling, and we're we're waiting for to see what what Ted Bundy will drop, what information he's going to give us. Of course, those who know the story of him know. Uh, we'll know what to expect per se from the end or so, or the, any revelation quote unquote that we're going to get. Um, so there's nothing new here or anything like that. And I guess that's the only criticism is that there's nothing new here it is very much. If you know, Ted Bundy and you know, the story of him and Hagmeyer's kind of uh, tennis match type thing, chess match kind of uh, conversations in, you know, you'll know that this is still just a profile of a very, very famous evil person. But I think it was well made. I think it was uh, the ending. I thought was really good. The final sort of sequences. I thought they were they were really good. Um, and I thought it was written well. I thought it was handled well. And what could have been actually quite boring. I think if if in the wrong hands or not portrayed very well. I think it was done pretty good. So uh, pretty well. So I was you know pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this, appreciated this film. I don't think it's the best term for it, but I thought this was really quite good. But um, I know you saw this as well, didn't you, mate? Yeah, um, I, I liked it. Uh, I also, I, I do, if the dialogue is written well in talking movies, I very much love them. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of Tarantino, for example. His dialogue is always very flashy. And uh, Kevin Smith, you know, a lot of his scenes are just two guys talking. I, I am fine with that if the conversation's compelling and keeps me hooked um and it feels like i'm a part of it and i do think this movie does a pretty good job with that um i think both performances are really good uh elijah wood's eyes are always going to be his downfall because he has anime eyes and it's just it's so hard to look at him outside of being like kind of a cartoon character um poor elijah there were some dark moments that i don't know if it fully like the implications about the character that he's playing that hagmeyer like there's some stuff that i wasn't i don't know that it felt right. Like it felt a little contrived to me at mm-hmm. certain points with like the implications of like a darker side to him. Um, and it is kind of walking this line of it. Are, are people who are serial killers crazy or have they just made a choice that other people actively choose not to? And I that's, it's a scary thought, um, you know, that people could just kill, but just choose mm-hmm. not to. Um, and I think that's intriguing as a, a line of reasoning, but it's also that line of reasoning is introduced by the person who is potentially crazy. So it, can you, is that a reliable narrator of that line of thought? You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, where his, if he is crazy, can he rationalize what he's doing to not be crazy? You know, um, it's a very slippery slope of, of reality, but uh, I, I did like the movie. Um, I, I don't um I don't know if if it does glamorize him or not um because he does come off as very cool and arrogant mm-hmm. and um and, and arrogance obviously not uh, usually associated with cool right but I mean he doesn't come off as it's the attitude um, he brings I know what you mean yeah right yeah it's just this I am I am the smartest person in any room at any time and that's mm-hmm. he doesn't directly say that but he he almost does right like yeah. it's almost stated outright. And, overconfident demeanor yeah and if that's how bundy was 
I don't know that it's necessarily wrong to portray them that way, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have to think to a degree that there was something that naturally charismatic about him that he was able to lure so many women into his clutches, you know? Um, and even when he talks about some of those incidents, uh, how he would like, there would be things that were clearly people should be questioning. Like he's a police officer in a Volkswagen. Like, and people would believe that he was a police officer. It's like, but why would I be in a Volkswagen? Like he says that outright in one scene. So those things, you got to wonder, like, at what point is it glorification? At what point is it just, here's how he was, you decide, but what are we at? What are we being asked to decide? Like that it was, you know, but um, it's still, it's a compelling, it's obviously a compelling topic, right? True crime right now is just all the rage. It's everywhere. Uh, And this is, it's one of the most, horrific true crime stories that exist. Yeah. So I think every, uh, every version uh, that we get is going to bring viewers and, um, you know, hopefully it's not glorifying the man himself. Um, even though, even when you're casting handsome guys to portray him, uh, that it's not inherently a negative thing. I don't know. I I'm, I'm not of the, of that position, but I found the movie very compelling. No, I think you're right. That's what Ted Bundy was known for. He was sadly charismatic. He was charming. uh, And that's how he, you know, lured most of his victims by being himself, by using his confidence and his ability to attract based on his looks and charm. That is, that is the Ted Bundy that has been reported widely. So I never once thought like you, yeah, that this was glamorizing Ted Bundy or making him out to be something he wasn't or, or even exaggerating those moments either so i thought it was you know for the most part pretty well handled and uh i i thought this was pretty damn solid and i'm glad because this is one i was looking forward to but uh, as i said that's my offerings done for tribeca as of yet i've got a bunch more we're going to talk about next week but um, i'm going to throw the floor over now to jb for the final few and i'll just do three uh three more and kind of quick um, i'm going to spend a little more time with this one this is the justice yeah. of bunny king um, it's a directorial debut for Gaysorn Thobbit. I'm sure I've said that perfectly. Um, but it stars uh, a pretty big name at this point, Essie Davis, a uh, New yeah. Zealand actress. Um, this is it, it is set in New Zealand. Uh, I'm 90% sure. I hope I'm not wrong on that. Um, and then uh, its co-star is Thomas and Mackenzie. Um, those are definitely the two predominant faces that you'll see. Um, I really was impressed with this movie. It is emotionally damaging. Um, I would compare, I I'm trying to think if it really fits into the movie that it, it's making me think of, but, uh, do, did you ever see falling down with, um, Michael Douglas? No, no, I didn't. So that's like, um, everything's falling apart kind of movie. And like mm-hmm. a, a man willing to risk it all. I don't remember much of that movie. I saw it when I was very young. I recently heard something where it was like, that movie's more messed up than I remember. I only remember the basic loose premise is that like his, I think he gets fired. Then he just kind of like loses it and goes kind of postal. I think was the, the term at the time. Mm. Um, and I saw it when it came out like on VHS when I was a kid. So it's been a long time, but that kind of is part of the story It's like this woman is trying to get her kids back who were taken. And we don't initially know why they were taken. Um, from her, but she's trying to get her kids back and she has to meet all these, you know, prerequisites in order to get her kids. And she's, it's, it's hard times. Um, 
the housing market's really competitive. She is already, you know, up against it because she doesn't have a good job. And there's a lot of backstory that you gradually learn more and more about why she's in the position that she's in. Um, but you also see how the world perceives her because of the position that she's in and how there's a lot of judgment placed on her and things of that nature. Um, and so she's already up against everything and her sister and her sister's, I think husband or at least boyfriend, like live in boyfriend, um, have their daughter, Tanya, Thomas and Mackenzie and two mm-hmm. other younger kids. And uh, bunny who is Essie Davis witnesses something that she just can't ignore, but it's going to make her life even harder. And, so she makes these hard choices and basically puts it in a position where she sees what she wants getting farther and farther away from her, being able to get her kids back. Yeah. And so she makes some really bad choices, but out of desperation to try to, to get what she desires so much. So, right. Um, because I think she feels like nothing will, there's no way she's going to be able to do it within the system. Mm-hmm. So she's going to do whatever she can to, uh, to, to, make things right despite the system right which as a viewer you know won't ultimately work right because if you're doing things against the system eventually the system will catch up to you yep and then you won't get the thing you want so like it's a you see a tragedy in the underlining of the plot without telling you what happens or how it plays out it can't go well if it's any kind of grounded drama because it's just like, that's not, you don't get to, to keep going after you do these things, right? Like, it's just not going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, but the performances and the characters are so outstanding. It's such a good debut. Um, I, I was really, really blown away with this movie. It was, uh, I wish I hadn't watched it first thing in the morning because it definitely made me like kind of done for the day. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a heavy movie. It's a heavy content. And if I'm not mistaken, there is a lot of uh, controversy with New Zealand and their, their, um, custody laws. I feel like uh, I have not seen Taika Waititi's film The Boy, but I feel like that movie deals with that issue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see it a little bit in Hunt for the Wilder People, the other Taika Waititi film, where there's yes. like the whole child system is not it's not perfect. And I think this movie is a criticism of it, um, but also maybe like a criticism of society and how we condemn people for perception. That isn't, we don't always know all the context. And maybe if you were to look at the context, uh, it wouldn't be so black and white as to what the rules are and why a, a woman doesn't deserve to have her kids where like another person maybe doesn't deserve to have their kids. Maybe this woman does despite what's happened to her. You know, you don't always have all of the, the context. And I think this movie does a really good job of, of kind of bringing that up in interesting ways. And it's just, again, tough watch for sure. It's emotional. Uh, but man, it's definitely if you want to see some some acting lessons, Essie Davis is just outstanding in this movie. Yeah, JB, uh, he mess- he sent me a message when he'd watched this film with a kind of top level uh, emotional feeling where he was at, and I thought, oh dear, because I know what what it, what it means when when John describes a film as you know pretty heavy, pretty hard going. I know exactly what he meant. Um, so I mean, I, I haven't seen this film. I'm looking forward to seeing it. The fact that Essie Davis is in it is enough for me. As we mentioned last week, every time I see her, whether it's obviously the Babadook is where most people know her from, but then she was so good in Baby Teeth. She was so good in the true history of the Kelly gang as well. Uh, I mean, I think she's fabulous. And add Thomas in, in as well. It's a very good, you know, up and coming and established cast. The story itself is one which is, I, I assume was prime for this kind of weightier film and, 
judging by what you've said. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm so looking forward to jumping in to see how this hits me as well. But, um, yeah, good show, my friend. And I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad it hit you the way it did. Cause I remember we spoke about this one last week as well. Yeah. I mean, just when I saw the cast, I was sold on it and then it, it lived up to my expectations mm-hmm. for sure. Good man. Um, so the next two, I'm going to just kind of real quickly talk about, they're both documentaries and, um, accepted, uh, is any teacher for sure should watch this documentary, but, um, it's, it's one of those, I would put it up there with like Wiener or, uh, three identical strangers where the, it's not exactly what you think it is when you get into it and, or tickled is another really good documentary where it's got like, um, plot twist, like unexpected changes and what, what the film ends up being about. Uh, so much so that I think even the filmmaker maybe didn't know what they were getting into when they were making the film. And those are always really compelling on the surface anyways, but, um, accepted it, it follows, uh, specifically Mike Landry, who started a school called the TM Landry prep school in Louisiana. And, uh, in I think 2017 or 2018 boasted 100% college acceptance for their seniors with 30% of that going to Ivy League schools in a, in a district that was notoriously not good in education. And he kind of bucked the system, changed things, and that's what gets the documentary's interest and in why they're there. And then things become even more interesting without revealing anything. It's very, very well made. Uh, Dan Chen is the director. Um, it's... Yeah, definitely worth watching, and I would even say uh, it's worth the money to rent. Although I do, I would be surprised if this one doesn't get distribution, unless there's some kind of legal issues. Um, there is a chance that there's going to people are going to try to shut some of the stuff down um, because of like what what happens. And again, I won't say what. Just check it out. Um, oh, okay, interested. And then uh, Blind Ambition is uh, kind of the feel good. Um, it's hard not to draw a comparison to cool runnings, um, which is funny because in the movie itself, another person makes a fictional comparison to cool runnings. Like they, <laughs> they're like, uh, cause what you have here is you're following the first ever Zimbabwe wine, blind wine tasting competition, the worldwide, I'm sorry. It's the World Wine blind tasting championships. Uh, we're following four men, Joseph, uh, Tanache, Mar- Marlvin and pardon, um, as they uh, compete in this blind wine tasting competition. I didn't know this was a thing, dude, but it's pretty impressive. You like, you, you taste the wine, and then you're guessing on uh, where the wine is from, what year it is, um, what grape. Like, it's it's crazy, with, uh, completely blind, and, like, you get points for each correct answer. And this is the first time there's a Zimbabwe team. So a lady in the movie says, it's like if Egypt suddenly had a skiing team, or, and I'm like, or if a Jamaican, Jamaican team had a bobsled, had a team. bobsled team. Like yeah. it's a movie lady. It's like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> that, that metaphor exists. Like it's, or that uh, allegory ex- or analogy. Jeez, I'll get it out eventually. You get that. And so that cracked me up. Um, but it, it's kind of got that vibe, man. It's like these four guys have amazing, crazy stories. Uh, they fled Zimbabwe to South Africa because Zimbabwe was having a horrendously hard economic crisis in like 2008, mm-hmm. Um, which led to horrible conditions for all of its uh, citizens. So a lot of people left illegally and things like that. And these, some of their stories are, are very, you know, we decided to leave no big deal. And others were tr- crazy, like, you know, refugee story of like hiding in, in containers and, and moving illegally through systems to try to get to safety. Like 
so right away they have compelling backstories, but then to find wine and how it's become their passion, because you can't just sip wine and like be good at this. Like this takes a lot of effort and it's super compelling uh, in all regards. Um, the guys have great personalities, which make them really, uh, they're not characters because these are, it's a documentary. These are real people, but yeah. they are really interesting people. So you're, you're kind of hooked. Um, and it's, it's got, uh, you know, there's always the underdog vibe to it, right? Cause he's, it's their first ever Zimbabwe wine tasting team. Um, which is, uh, just in and of itself, like you, you're rooting for them. You want to see how they do. So it's, it's, it's got all of those little elements in it, but it's, it's real versus it being a fictionalized retelling of, or a, you know, actual, just fictional story like Rocky. Um, but it's, it's there and it's, it's definitely a really compelling watch. Right. Well, it's coming from somebody who just thinks a lot of wine tastes very similar. This could be quite an interesting watch. I don't know how people can do that. So, um, yeah, there we I'm go. not a wine person. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, yeah. but it's, it's compelling to watch. If somebody wants to give me a glass, I'll have it, but I couldn't tell you where it's from, how much it cost, or or what what undertones I'm getting in the back of my uh, taste buds. I have no idea. It's just, does it does it does it taste like sour? Yes or no? That's that's how I kind of go by. But um, well, there's our first non-spoiler roundup of Tribeca. Um, kind of the first first five days or so of Tribeca. We're going to be back again next week with more of our thoughts and non-spoiler reviews and a kind of overall view of the festival as well. So hopefully we've given you some films there, which you wouldn't mind checking out. If you do let us know, it's tribecafilm.com. It would appear most of the films are available up until the 23rd, which is um, kind of coming to the, when the festival comes to an end as well. So, uh, but do check it out, do check out each film because it may vary individually, but let us know if you watch any of those based on our recommendations or if you'd heard of them and uh, whether you agree with us or, uh, whether you disagree other way let us know um so we're so far you know even with the ups or downs we're having a bloody awesome time with tribeca however that doesn't always that's not always enough to maintain levels for us we are the bloody awesome movie podcast individually we're bloody awesome however we you gotta do a bit of work with that so john how have you been staying bloody awesome this week well i have been playing more video games specifically ghost of shishima um <sighs> Which is a game I, I had I was interested in. I thought it might be too difficult for me to really get into, but it's turned mm-hmm. out that it's right in my wheelhouse. It's got Assassin's Creed vibes. It's got uh, Horizon Zero Dawn vibes as far as like um, tons and tons of side quests and like little like you know different skill points that you can earn to unlock stuff. Um, I'm only a few hours into. I, I've probably played ten hours at this point, but. Um, I have been doing so many side quests and I'm still like really, really early into the story because I just love the world. It's a beautiful game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, the mechanics are really, really fun. Uh, there's so many different kind of approaches because you can be very stealthy, but that's not an honorable samurai uh, practice. So you have to mm-hmm. kind of, you're weighing that ethical battle of like, it's much more sensible in many situations to go stealthy, but it's not honorable. So uh, that that's a major element of the character, which I find super compelling. So uh, yeah, I've been having a blast with it and um, just, yep. Uh, committing some time. I'm trying to play at least a little bit every day. Yep. I, um, I really want to play that game because I've seen screenshots of it uh, and I've heard about the gameplay. It looks uh, unreal. How stunning that game looks. Um, so I've got, I may add it to, it's, it's on my list of games to rent. I may bump it up a little bit as well because it looks great. And if John has recommended it, 
you know me guys that's good enough for me so um john has been gaming and i have been uh busy working away to get a job and finally this week found a job i'm now employed again after this wretched pandemic um has caused obviously recruitment drives across the galaxy um so someone was uh foolish slash kind enough to offer me a job which uh don't start for a few more weeks but uh, i've been staying bloody awesome by becoming a normal person again and for me it's another step into the n-word normality that we're never going to get back to but at least we can strive towards anyway so i've been staying bloody awesome by putting in the work and finally finding a half decent job to get my teeth into in the next few weeks so john i'm about to be like you again that is good news sir Thank you very much, sir. I thought so as well. Uh, and to celebrate, I am going to buy myself, well, 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 I've said a 12 pack of donuts, but I'm also buying a gym membership. So one or the wow. other, I think I know what's going to win and it will be the gym. So I'm going to be like Burke, BLB is the motto for this show. Uh, but that is the episode. That's our first uh, preview or review, sorry, of the Tribeca offerings for uh, 2021. We are going to be back same time again next week with uh, another round of, of Tribeca coverage and kind of roundup of the festival as well, or our thoughts and feelings on how it's been and how the virtual uh, fest is um, and the offerings. So that being said, if you want to find us and tell us all about the films you've hopefully seen from Tribeca, you can go online on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Instagram, John, where are we? We are a bloody awesome movie pod. And if you are a Facebook user and want to find us, just search for Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and you'll see us. John, everyone's just heard you. They should follow you. Where can they follow you? You can find me at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Go do that. You can find me at whatiwatchnot.co.uk and what I watch tonight across those same social media platforms. And you can find the both of us on Letterboxd as well. And if you like what you've just heard, please do consider sharing this with fellow film fans and dropping five stars on your podcast provider of choice because it helps the show grow, gets more people listening, and it gets more engagement with uh, film fans who, for the most part, are the best fans in the entire world. So uh, if you do have a spare five minutes, we'd really appreciate that. However, that all that being said, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 blood,